From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be, right here, right now. Here are your hosts, Sandra Beck and Linda Franklin. This is Sandra Beck, and I'm here today with Maria Romano of True Love Knots. Now, if you're on your computer or you're listening where you can check out her website, go to truelovenots.com. You'll be glad you did. There's so much great information there. And we're going to be talking today about what it's like to be single, over 40, with kids. And for some of us, Maria, our kids are not 25 years old. I didn't get married till my 30s. I didn't get divorced into my 40s. So my first child was born at 36. My second child was born at 39. I was like, I got to get this kid out before I'm 40. And, you know, we have such perceptions of age and things and but it's changing because I look at my 87-year-old dad, my 98-year-old grandma, and she's still functioning and talking and she's at the nursing home going, you know, I'm, I'm going to sit my little chair out and see who walks by. You know, she has not lost that desire for companionship, for intimacy, not just physical, but emotional intimacy. And so when we're living to our 70s, 80s, 90s and beyond... Single over 40 with kids is just the beginning, and it's not uncommon to have young kids, elementary school age kids at 40, 45 years old, easy. That, you know, it's so true. I can't believe your grandpa's still living at 98. God bless him. That's all I can say. But, you know, it's interesting because I just was on a Zoom uh, meeting the other night, and one of the gentlemen, he was uh, 65. He was my age. And he actually had a teenager, you know, on his third marriage, he had a teenager. So yes, you're finding out we're meeting people, you know, you can go from one extreme where people have never been married and never have children and go through their whole life. And then you have those that, you know, get married and they have children. And some of us do have children by a certain age, that biological clock is ticking in. And it's interesting. So that biological clock ticks in when you hit a certain age, but when you hit your 50s, 60s, and 70s and looking to fly in love, that mortality clock sets in. So you have two different spectrums. But you have to, first of all, you know, I think it's interesting. I always tell clients, your children really come first. They, you know, that's important before any of your relationships. And depending upon what the situation is, how you and your significant other, you know, what the terms are, if, you know, kids are a product, they were made out of, out of love. Okay, so they should get as much love as possible. And statistic-wise, when children come from divorced homes, depending upon how each of the co-parenting occurs, it makes a big difference in their life. Because you don't want them to take that same attitude, well, if I get married again, I can get divorced. You didn't get married to have that happen, right? Right. Well, you know, what you said was exactly what my younger son said in his like sixth or seventh grade presentation about families. And the teacher called me because she's like, I'm a little concerned about this. She's like, your son said his first wife 
is, you know, his first wife is going to be four babies. And his second wife is going to be just for him. Oh, well, okay. But, but look at, you know, that's unfortunately where what happens in our life and we as parents really influence our children. You know, I used to, my dad used to say to me, don't do as I do, do as I say. Okay. And really we, we have to do, we have to really be exemplary in everything we do. And I always tell, uh, you know, listen, that doesn't mean you shouldn't have a relationship. Uh, obviously you're hitting your forties and some of you children might be getting ready to leave and go on to college, but they always come back and they're always going to be part of your life. And that's what's important for them. First, giving them a loving, safe, secure, stable home, even if it's with two parents. And then if it's with two parents that are remarried, that's a whole different situation as well. So that's where the blend, that's where you really, whoever you choose to come into your life, I mean, they are going to be, your children are going to be exposed to them. So sure. I always tell, I always tell clients, if you're going to date, date, but don't start bringing the dates around and then the dates don't work. And then you have somebody new. So it becomes a revolving door. What message does that send? Not that you shouldn't be able to pick different people because you do want your children when they get older to experience, you want them to also know what they want. And I think that's the key thing, knowing what you're looking for in a relationship. And when you, and even before you go with that first date, there's nothing wrong if you have an online profile, if you're chatting, you tell somebody you have children and to be mindful because your children do come first. Well, and here's the thing about like, you know, I have two things to say on that. Number one is one of the things that people don't count on. And I, I've experienced this through my co-parent, not through my own experience, but Little hearts get broken and even big hearts get broken. So you can have a teenager or you can have a toddler that falls in love with the person you're dating and then they go away and your little kid or your teen is left with heartache. So that's number one. But number two, let's talk about, you know, kids come first because this is something that, you know, one of my friends who I'm currently dating said to me, he goes, yeah, he goes, I never wanted to date a mom with kids because kids come first. And I said to him, you know, kids coming first doesn't mean, first of all, that you come last. And second of all, it doesn't mean that kids come first every minute of the day. You know, that's like me saying, I don't want to date you because you have a sister and a brother and your parents are still alive because you know, family does come first sometimes. Kids do come first sometimes. You know, if my kid is being a pain and he just wants to come home from soccer because he's bored, I'm not going to drop a date for that. You know, give the parent a little credit. Now, if my kid is in the, you know, hospital with a broken arm from soccer, which happened, I'm going to drop everything, as would you, for your sister, your brother, your best friend, your parents. So unless you live life in a Ziploc bag and you have no relationships with anyone, there is something to be said about children come first, but that doesn't mean you come last, and it doesn't mean they come first all the time. If you're with a reasonable parent who goes, you know what? Maybe the co-parent can handle this one. Maybe my older son can go bring my younger son a bottle of water. It doesn't mean I have to drop everything and kick you to the curb just because I have kids. Oh, that is so true. And that's a very, you, you probably very same. You're still dating this man. Yes. Okay. Obviously he knows where you stand and that's important as well. 
And the thing is too, is when that's a situation where sometimes, yes, you're, you're dating somebody. And I talk about this in my book with blended families. Sometimes that one person doesn't have children. Like when I got married to my husband, Frank, he had children from a previous marriage. And it was when you don't have children, okay, we all have this perception that children do come in little baggies and everything is neat and everything should be so-and-so. Then when I had our daughter, oh, did that light bulb moment come on? That, you know what? Kids are different and the love for your child is different. And that's the first thing, especially if you're in a relationship and you're not a parent. You, it, sometimes there is a bit of a jealousy there as well. But you know, it's important, whoever you bring into your life, okay, like I said, they're a role model Do you for your children. They're gonna, and you want whoever that person is to be as exemplary as you are with them and to treat them the same way because there's nothing worse than falling in love with somebody who you think is fabulous and then to have your children say, you know what, I really don't like him. And I have to share a story that I never really share with anybody, but I will share. Now, obviously I'm in my 60s, I don't, but my daughter is 30, she's in her 30s. And this is how children will impact you as a parent, even at this age. And there was some man that I was dating and I was gonna get married to him. And she told me, you know, mom, I just don't feel good about this. I'm sorry, I know I'll accept whoever you're gonna marry. And, but I really think you should dig deep. And I have to tell you something, Sandra. She was right. I am not, did not marry him. I found out some things that I was blind to. And this is what happens. Love can be blinding at times. And I'm glad that my daughter was smart enough to come to me and come to me in a very diplomatic way. Now, a teenager or young child isn't going to demonstrate that. But understand they're articulating the best way. And if they're telling you something, and I'm not talking about the brat that they have, I'm talking about the child that really is coming from a place because they love you. Listen to what they say. They are so perceptive about who you have around you, children. You just don't drop your kids off to strangers. No. Right? Hell no. So that is so, and, and whatever you do, you need to model because you know what? If you're the type of woman or man that has people sleep over all the time, what do you expect that demonstrates to your children? Well, and it, one of the things that I found really helpful, because I've been a single parent for 16 years now, so I think I've gotten you know, the hang of it, you know, and my kids are good, they're top students, they're good athletes, they're nice kids, they date nice girls, so I think I have a little track record in doing some things right, and one of the, the things that I, I always did with my kids was I never introduced someone as a boyfriend ever. They would come and I'd say, hey, you know what, you know, Rick or Mark or, you know, John is going to be dropping off some stuff. So he's going to be here this afternoon. No different if the pool man came and cleaned the pool. And then I'd say, hey, you want to come in? You want to drink? Whatever. And, you know, and so the kids got to meet the men in my life. There's only been three of them. So it's not like I've had a ton in, you know, 16 years. But the important ones to me knew that this was my routine. That it's like, look, you're going to meet my kids. We're going to bump into each other at a coffee shop. We're going to do whatever. Because there's all sorts of weirdness kids have when it's mom's boyfriend, mom's new. And it was very easy for the kids to decide whether they like this person or not, independent of me. Because I think some of them want to please you. And I'm going to love your boyfriend because I want to please you, mom. And then there's others that are like, I'm going to hate any person you bring home. 
And I remember with my first relationship post my divorce and the kids were like five, six, seven, maybe at this time. And we were eating and it was planned. And my boyfriend at the time came and I said, well, come on over. <clears throat> you know, why didn't, why didn't you eat with us? And then they're like, oh, 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 and my older one who was eight and he just jokingly goes, are you my new daddy? <laughs> but we all laughed. And he goes, I don't know. What do you think? And they're like, well, I guess you'll do. Do you have any money for video games? Because it was in that era of video games. And he gave him a couple quarters. That was, that was enough for them to handle. That was enough for me to handle. That was enough for him to handle because he was childless by choice. And imagine showing up with a woman now that you, you think you're in love with who has two kids. <laughs> I bet that's, but you know what, Sam, that's a perfect way of approaching it. But not everybody is as prudent and as practical and as really thought about as you are, because sometimes there are people that come out of relationships and they've had a bad relationship and the children have seen that. Okay. So they see maybe dad, mom, whatever had an addiction problem. Maybe they just didn't like to work right? Maybe there was infidelity that occurred. So there's a lot of different things. And their kids are marred. The kids understand. The thing is, you know, you really want to, and maybe the situation was tense between the original parents. And that's, that's just as bad too. Uh, because, you know, some people will stay together for the sake of the kids, but I think you need to stay together and try to be as, as dysfunctional, as less dysfunction as possible. I mean, that's the key thing. So, you know, you're right. Not everybody approaches it that way. And then also too, because again, let's say you're a single parent, but you're co-parenting and the other parent is married. I mean, that, you know, that really, they, whoever is coming into your child's life, I believe all people need to meet. I really, because you need to know what, what their parenting skills are, and what they expect and what they don't expect. And, and you know, everybody has a different way of parenting. And that's the first thing. Even when you let somebody in your life, how do you parent? I mean, really, or how do you discipline? Oh gosh, that is a big, big question. And I'm sure you don't want somebody disciplining your children. If, I mean, depending upon the situation that occurs. Right. And let's define discipline for a moment because one of the times <clears throat> that I had like a, one of those woo moments, was when my boyfriend, in quotes at the time, came and we had dinner with the kids, even though it wasn't any big deal. And they're both on their phones. And he goes, hey, guys, I didn't come to see you. You know, I came to see you guys, you know, not to have you guys be on your phones. Is that discipline? Like, <clears throat> and would that be okay from a friend, a family friend or a relative to say that, but all of a sudden now it's different because it's the boyfriend, you know, so, you know, defining some of these things in your own mind and asking yourself, is it reasonable for this person to do this? Well, I think there's a way, and you know what, I think that's true. Because I, I'll tell my grandparents, you know what, my grandparents, my grandkids, I'll say, listen, because right away they're with the, I have a set of iPads here for them to play with. And I say, you know what, grandma would like to just spend a little time with you before you get back to the electronics. And so do me a favor indulge grandma and then you can spend time and you know what they're usually pretty good about it but not every so there's a way of approaching it and I think that's the key thing and obviously he approached it in a nice way and he's right children need to learn that 
And that starts really at home. And that's why, now not everybody gets to sit down at the dinner table and eat together. Although I think in the midst of all what's going on, Sandra, a lot more people have gone back to those roots. Yes. And, um, and I think that kitchen table really makes a huge difference. It really opens up a lot of conversation. And it just, it's a matter of, and I, I believe in putting the phones away. And sometimes I have to stop. And that's been the greatest thing about the pandemic. I don't look at my phone thinking that I'm going to get a call from a chapel for somebody to get married. Right. Okay. So, right. And um, I might get a call from a client that has a situation on a date, but that's about, you know, that's right. fine with me right now. Right, exactly. So I just think it's we shouldn't be married to our phones. And it's important that the children understand that. But that's a whole different Right, that's a whole different whole thing. Different, but right, exactly. The whole point of that for me was examining my own thoughts. Like, you know how when you're you, when you really like someone, you really want your kids to like them. You know, so you have to like be aware of that, that you might be pushing things faster than they can go. Or expecting things, you know, if my kids just met the new boyfriend and they don't even know he's the new boyfriend, they think he's just some guy dropping something off at work, why would I expect them to fall over head over heels? So, you know, so much of it is knowing our own thoughts and feelings and our wants and our wishes. And that takes some time, which is why I'm a huge proponent, especially if you're over 40, you've been around the block a few times, you've had relationships that have worked and not worked, you've given birth, you know, your kids are whatever, how many years old, you've seen your friends make tons of mistakes. So slower is better. Because my question is, when you have kids, when you're over 40, don't let the ticking clock of you're going to die alone, ruin the relationships, because it will, you will force your children to do something that they're not ready for. They will resent you. If you're forcing your partner or your new boyfriend to do something with them and form relationships take time. Oh, that is so true. It's just like growing a tree, a 30 or 40 foot tree. And that's why I talk about the mortality clock. That's what happens to people. And you're right. They try to force feed. They try to fast track. And you know what? You have to remember too, statistically. So if you get married the first time, you know, 50% of those relationships are going to end up, unfortunately, in divorce. You get married a second time, it's 75%. And why? Because you really haven't taken the time to examine your yourself to find out what you want in life you have to take into consideration you've got family and blended families and sometimes too what i come across as well sandra is so if somebody has been in a relationship like i had started when we started out a little while ago about maybe they've attracted a person that has been an alcoholic or somebody into drugs so you know that's what i really i work with people we identify what those why are they attracting that type of person and what they can do to overcome that and sometimes it stems back from childhood also as well because you know again your children are a product of what they've seen in the home so you want to be able to spend time with the child and then when you decide to get back you know keep get them as healthy and whole as possible. So they don't want to go out in the world and attract that same type of person too, especially if you attract that person again. Okay, that's the worst thing you can do. So by taking the time and looking and examining who you are, what you've done, maybe don't, maybe you need to go for a little bit of counseling. It's okay, all right, so that you don't attract that same type of person. I'm gonna share with you a story. I have a client and his name is Terry. 
And Terry actually, Terry was with his wife for almost 30 years. They stayed together for the kids. Unfortunately, there was an addiction issue and alcohol and that caused the divorce. However, when he went out back into the dating world, he attracted the first person he attracted, really healthy, wholesome girl. He just, he felt that she didn't need him because he, he couldn't take care of her. Next person he attracted, she wound up being a drug addict. She wound up being, you know, and then he realized exactly, he was starting the pattern. He did it again. Then he came to me and we examined what happened. It started from his childhood. His mother, even though she's been sober for 50 years, was an alcoholic and he liked to take care of people. So again, these things, and what you're doing is when you find a healthy relationship, you're setting an example to your children. And what happens when they go into the world and they don't fast track and rush, you want them to marry one time. Whatever it is, you don't want to see them have multiple relationships. I put the, my mic back on. I was um, just coughing for a second. Um, you don't want to have more drama. Mm-hmm. Like for anybody who's ever been through a divorce, it's dramatic. Like, let's be honest, there's no divorce that's, that's not dramatic on some level, in some way, that's not traumatic. Why would you want your kids to have that experience? You know, we all want our kids to do better. And we don't want to go through it ourselves. You know, I remember when my therapist, um, I, I contacted her shortly after my divorce because the, the, the month that I got divorced, my mother died 30 days later after a long battle with cancer. I went through a foreclosure. Like, these are some really big things. And when you have small kids and you're running your own company, you don't want to, like, I didn't want to burden my friends. I didn't want to burn out my sisters and my brothers, you know, by talking about all this stuff. And so I found a really good therapist in a very funny way. It was my ex-husband and his new wife's therapist that we were all brought together as a family to solve some of the kid problems because there were kids on both sides, multiple marriages on one side, you know, big mess. And so I ended up staying with her and I'm still with her today because she gives me parenting of teen advice. My mom's dead. My dad's old. You know, who am I going to go to for good advice? Who knows me? Who doesn't have a vested interest in anything? That's the big one about a therapist. She's there to help me. She's not concerned, you know, how it's going to look for the family. She's not concerned about, you know, competition and, you know, all these things that we have, or my kids are better than your kids, you know, all that crap that goes on in families. So she said to me, I don't want you dating anyone more than once for a year. And I thought she was out of her cotton picking mind. Like, you know, you could, you know, it was almost like an AA meeting, you know, where, you know, you've got to get sober. And she's like, just take it easy. Like you're grieving your mom. You just buried her. You just went through a foreclosure, which is incredibly stressful. You're building your company. You have a one-year-old and a three-year-old. Where do you think you're going to have any emotional bandwidth to give to another person? You know, and it sounds severe and it sounds strict. And maybe the one year isn't good for you, Maria. Maybe you don't have all these extra things. But I had a lot on my plate. And she said, do you really think you can be a good, fair, loving partner to someone? Well, you know, it's a grieving process. And I tell people that because when people jump back into the, even if they've lost a spouse, divorced, even at this age, I tell them, you're not ready yet. You're not ready. As a matter of fact, I'll share something with you. Not too long ago, there was a man that I met 
and he wanted to date me. He just lost his wife like two months ago to COVID. I said, oh no, I said, no, 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 no. I said, first of all, and that, first of all, I, I thought he had issues, but the point is because some people don't want to be alone, Sandra. And that happens even with when you have kids, you don't want to be alone. And that's the time when you really need to take the time and fall in love with yourself all over again and get to know yourself. It is. And you, you know, you, you go through so many emotions after a divorce. You go through so many emotions after a death. You go through so many emotions when your kid's only a year old. You know, you're still full of hormones. You're not sleeping at night. You know, my kids were like dueling banjos, Maria. They're, you know, a year and a half apart or two years apart. If one was up, the other was down. If one was sick, the other was healthy. If one was crying, the other one was asleep. Like it was like, you know, like back and forth. And so why would I think, you know, because I think of one of the guys that asked me out um, during that time period, he's like, he wanted to go to a concert, like at the Roxy on a Thursday night. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no can do. <laughs> no, 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 and no. And he's like, what, you don't like me? And I'm like, no, like, I, I can't do this. Like, I, you know, and what's funny is we went around, we went on to date later you know, he dated somebody else for a couple of years and circled around again, because honestly, if you really like each other, sometimes it's timing. This was not about not liking him. It was bad timing. And I don't think you can live with the fear that if I don't get him now, I'm not going to get him. That is true. And that's, that people think, right, that they only have one shot. There's 7 billion people on the planet. And this is why I tell people too, especially when you've gotten back and you have kids at home and you're thinking of getting back into the dating. First of all, make sure you're ready to date. And you know, Sandra, we, we spend money hiring the right coach, right, to get our bodies in shape. We hire an attorney to help us legally. We go get our head fixed with the right therapist. We get a financial advisor. You need to get a dating coach. And I mean this sincerely because you need somebody that you can speak to objectively, just like you do with your therapist. Okay, so that's not a vested interest. The thing is, sometimes we'll share an intimate detail, maybe with a family member, a friend about someone we're dating. And you know what? That's sometimes not the best thing to do, okay? Because they might have judged them. You know, that's, and sometimes, too, again, it's the forest through the trees, that type of thing. It's like the chicken and the egg. And you need somebody that can give you a good objective information. To, because again, you're especially, and you whether you have kids at home or not, it doesn't matter. You're blending worlds together, okay? And and when and it's hard to untie them when you start blending them. It's hard. It's not easy. Like a divorce, like anything else. Well, and you know this this you know is where you know things get even more complicated. I'm just going to add some more fuel on here. In my <laughs> case, I'm still really good friends with my ex mother-in-law. I love my ex-sister-in-law. She was in my life for, you know, while I was married for the 10, 12 years, we became friends. We, our kids liked each other. Like I, you know, and then in, in, in other aspects of the family, I'm a godparent, you know? So when you have these things, these are kind of covenants that are made between families and they don't dissolve because of a divorce. So when I remember when one of the guys I was dating said to me, I said something like, Oh, I've got to call my ex-mother-in-law. It's her birthday. He was like, what? Like, you know, when you have families, families are the people you choose. 
Families are the people that you've collected along the way. And just because I divorced the son doesn't mean I don't love the mother or I love the sister. And so why would it be hard for me to want to call her on her birthday? Like, but people get, again, all weird in their head that, that somehow meant translated to, I'm still in love with my husband. Like, well, it's better than the truth. You know, it took me many years. Let me tell you, that is so true. I can look at that today and understand that. When I was 23 and I got married to my husband and he would have to call and I thought, oh my God, he's, you know, this is disrespectful. No, it's not. And that's how people feel because we are naive because we don't know. But when you've lived life and you've gone through it, yes, you didn't, you only divorced your husband. You did not divorce the family. And certainly the kids did not divorce the family. And you want to keep an open relationship, no matter whether it's loving or not loving, that's their family. And that's still a part of you. And you know, your children are a part of your, their aunt, right? Their grandmother. And you want them in your life. God forbid something happened to you. You want to know that they have family. And no matter how healthy we are, how, we never know when it's time for us to go. So right. I, let me tell you, I love that the fact that my daughter is married to her high school sweetheart. And his family is fantastic. And somebody said, oh, do you mind that they're always over there? And they have, I said, no. I said, my life is different. And that's fine. And God forbid something happened to me. I'm thrilled. I'm thr- and if something happened to their relationship, they have the support from grandma and grandpa. And that's what's important. Well, they, yeah, absolutely. Because one of the things that my my therapist you know, kind of busted me on was... <laughs> Yeah, I mean, because I was I was jealous, you know, because that's what that feeling is. That feeling Absolutely. is jealousy, and that's Absolutely. all about me. And she said, why would you be jealous of one more person to love your child? And that one was, uh, that one hit me. I still remember that, like, you know, 10 years ago or 12 years ago, because my little one started going over and back to their dad's house, and they had a new grandma, and they had a new aunt and uncle. They had a new everything, and I think it was particularly painful because my mom was dying. So I'm like, my mom doesn't get this, and now the new wife and the new grandmother get this, and that's the honesty that I said to my therapist. I'm like, I hate it. I hate that he goes over there and calls her grandma because my mom will be dead in a couple weeks, and he will never call her grandma. And she said, right, she goes, I get that. She goes, but that's about you. That's about your feelings and your jealousy. And she goes, you cannot get in the way of another. And this mother, grandmother, wonderful lady. You know, the aunts are wonderful. Like there was nothing wrong with her. What was wrong was with me. And then when the therapist said to me, this is just one more person to love your child. And in the absence of having no grandmother, Versus having a grandmother, she goes, why would you get in the way of that? Because of your feelings. You know, those are the things like that, you know, you start to see it differently. So whenever little pangs come up of jealousy of in-laws and family and things like that, I have to catch myself and say, is this about me? Or is this about me getting in the way of someone else loving my kid? You're very lucky you had a good therapist because it's really very important to find the right, not all therapists, just because they have a license doesn't mean that they're good. And I think that's the key thing. And when you have a good therapist that's guiding you, and I think it's brave and courageous to admit, I was jealous. And I was the same way too. I felt exactly that. 
And, and then again, fortunately, when we had a child, it changed. I don't know if it would have lasted the relationship, to be very honest, because you know what? You feel it's all about you, and you have that, and you can't. You have to, you have to graciously understand that it is important that they have one more person in their life. There's nothing wrong with that. So I think it's great in that, that you were vulnerable enough to share that with her, because not very many people will open up. That's what a therapist is for. Well, and that's why we have these shows, because first of all, not everybody can afford one. Let's be honest. Not everybody is in a position to go. There's husbands and wives that make fun of them for going. You know, there's kids that make fun of their parents for going, or there's the stigma that there's something really wrong with me. You know, I didn't go, Maria, because I thought there was something really wrong with me, even though that's what my ex-husband thought. Um, You know, I went because I didn't know why I was having these weird feelings. Like, why am I jealous of a new grandmother? Like, these things didn't make sense to me. And because I was so confused about my mom's death and stressed with the foreclosure and stressed with money and everything happened so fast where all of a sudden on a, on January 31st, my husband was out of my house on by March 1st, he was in a new house with a new family and new everything. You know, it was so fast for me. And I'll be honest, I'm not real good with change. And I'm not really good with keeping up as fast as everybody else. It's probably why I didn't get married till I was older or have kids till I was 36. You know, I'm kind of probably on the slower range of things. And I know that. So when something like this happens, when you have some really visceral response, you know, like all of us have jealousy. All of us have anger. Like we all have these things. For me, it was more like, wow, where did that come from? Because I never thought of myself as a jealous person, or I never thought of myself as an angry person. Meanwhile, I'm yelling, (laughs) you know, so you go to therapy a lot of times because you want to know what's going on with you so you can be your best. It's like, like you said, people go to a fitness coach, people go to a health coach, people go to a, a hair salon to do their hair. Like, why wouldn't you go to like an emotional salon? That's what I looked at as, you know, I go to an emotional salon. I could talk about my feelings. I didn't have to worry about gossip. That's another reason you go. You tell your sister, she's going to tell your other sister. Pretty soon your third cousin is calling you and saying, what's going on? Are you depressed? No. It's, it's true. And, you know, people, um, there is that stigma. The stigma is that you're weak. The stigma, you have a problem in your brain. Absolutely not. You know, I have to tell you, I didn't start going to, to a therapist until a few years ago. And, oh, my God, let me tell you, uh, that is a lifeline as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, your car needs an oil change. Right, tune up the same thing with your head. So I definitely, it's it's great. And there are a lot of affordable alternatives out there today too. Uh, they have a lot of um, they have an online therapist that you can go to nowadays, especially with COVID. But do your right. talk space, talk space. Do your, home- yeah. on my do your homework because you don't want to be reliving the same story. You want to try to find somebody that's consistent, and it takes time. It's like dating. You know, you're going to get to know each other, and you're going to share. You know, that's important. But you get to feel better, you know, and in the case of my therapist, she's been married before. She has kids. She has grandkids and she's been a therapist like forever. So there's nothing I could tell her or throw at her that she didn't either understand, recognize, or have something for, you know, because we're human beings and most of us do the same things, but we may not be aware of it. 
And so we go and we talk. And in the beginning, Maria, I was so scared. I was terrified and I felt so dumb because I remember like the first one or two sessions, she's like, you know, you take care of everybody else. You don't take care of yourself. What do you do to take care of yourself? And all I could think of is I do my nails like, (laughs) you know, but as a young mother, you know, recently divorced, like, you know, nobody's a whiz at taking care of themselves and not every culture or family or parenting teaches kids to take care of themselves. But but also too, that's one thing I was going to say, because I know we're getting close, but I wanted to say that, yes, self-care is so important. You've got to fill your own cup first, because if you don't take care of yourself, you cannot be good to anybody else. Meaning you have to eat right, exercise, get some sleep so you can be a great parent. And that's first. And then you can also be great to whoever's coming into your life. And you can actually look at the situation with clear, clear mind and that's the key thing but when you're running on just fumes then you're going to make poor decisions and that's not good either right and you may gravitate towards and i've seen this with a lot of my friends and i i had this because i live in an area of first responders so there were single firemen divorced firemen divorced police that wanted to come in and be my hero Here's this young lady, you know, mom just died to foreclosure. She's hanging on by her nails. She's got two little kids. That's like a hero's dream. But the question that I had, because my therapist asked me this and we talked about it. If I can't be the victim or the damsel in distress three years from now, five years ago, 10 years from now, how's that going to play out? Well, that's exactly the analogy would happen with that one client, very similar, but some people, hopefully they grow up and that is so true. And that's why I see that with women, believe it or not, that are in their sixties, like myself, they settle or men because they don't think there's anything out there. And that's what happens. And, you know, they play it out and they're miserable. They're miserable. So that's why I'd rather be alone than wish I was alone. And when the right time comes, the right person will be there. Absolutely. Well, and that goes on to your statement about self-care, because if you take care of yourself and you take care of things, and this was always my million dollar question when I was, my kids were younger. I'm like, huh, why do I even need a husband or a boyfriend or anything? Because I have, you know, my girlfriends, I have my faith, I have my hair salon, you know, I have, you know, I had all these things that, you know, you know, and I was busy and tired with my kids, but as I got older, I realized, wow, okay, I need that kind of adult company. I need to have that conversation with a man, not my girlfriends. Like there's just something different. That's so true. And let me tell you something. I'm envious of lots of my friends that have met people and they move, you know, they've now been married or they're in relationships. They've been in relationships. You can't help that. See that jealousy you had, right? That happens too. And I don't mean jealousy, but you want that. We, we do, but we want to find the right person. Yes. And that's why you need to find a good coach. Okay. That is the first thing I tell everybody, go find a coach. So how can people contact you if they like they, what they heard today? Oh, thank you. They can contact me at uh, www.truelovenots.com. The knots is K-N-O-T-S. And I'm also on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Reach out to me. I am very accessible. I'm available. And I'm there if anybody needs anything. I would love to work with you.
Oh, I love that, Maria. You're so the, you're the best. And, you know, you, you walk the talk, you know, I know your sister, I know a little bit about you. You are the real deal. You aren't somebody that just hang out a shingle and make something up quickly on the internet because this is what you feel like doing at the moment. You are the real deal. And I'm so excited that you were able to spend some time with me today. Maria Romano, truelovenots.com. Check it out. You'll be glad you did. We'll be back again next week. From New York City to Los Angeles, Powered Up Talk Radio is giving women of all ages permission to live the life they'd always dreamed of. Each week, Powered Up Talk Radio explores innovative ways to stay focused in a world that's experiencing dramatic changes. Find out who you are, discover your purpose, and challenge yourself to be all you can be. 